What's up, coaches? We're really excited to officially announce our newest sponsor, Powerlift. We use Powerlift at Broken Arrow and Ankeny to design both of our facilities. They not only have a great product, they're also a bunch of good dudes. They don't come off as those greasy, bad car salesmen that you run into a lot of the time. Instead, you get to work with guys like former guest J.R. Conrad, guys that truly care about the game and your football team and want to help build your strength program. Powerlift is a trusted program that is designed the University of Oklahoma, University of Iowa, Baylor University, and Mater D High School's weight facility just in the last few years, along with many, many more. Let Powerlift take your unique needs and use them to design your state-of-the-art facility. From concept to completion, choose Powerlift. Powerful ideas, powerful results, made in the USA. Go check out Powerlift at power-lift.com and mention that Run the Power sent you. Again, that's power-lift.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Health IQ. Health IQ is a life insurance agency that specializes in securing lower rates for health-conscious people, including strength trainers, runners, and cyclists, among others. Just like saving money on car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ believes you should save on your life insurance for living a healthy lifestyle. This is the reason that 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. These savings are exclusive to Health IQ. The reason they are able to save their customers up to 33% is because physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease and a 20% lower risk of cancer compared to the people that are inactive. Qualify for these rates, head to healthiq.com slash run the power and take their health, cycling, or running IQ quiz. Or if you're like me and work out using an app, you can submit that certified app's data to Health IQ to qualify. Once you qualify, Health IQ doesn't just send your offer to an insurer. It takes you through the journey. From when you submit interest to starting your application and going through underwriting and policy enforced. Policy is underwritten by one of their top partners, an insurer. Coaches, go to healthiq.com slash run the power to qualify to save up to 33% on your life insurance. Again, that's healthiq.com slash run the power to take your free quiz to qualify for up to 33% savings on your life insurance with Health IQ. Head over to the RTP store. We have two designs as t-shirts, long sleeves, and hoodies. We have our Run the Power and our Will Block for Food designs available. Go get yours today under the store tab at runthepower.com. Now you can run the power in any weather. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Attack Academy. Team Attack Academy is an online football development site for football players and coaches of all levels. It's the most powerful teaching tool introduced into the game today to raise the level of playing and coaching football. After using Team Attack Academy, your athletes and coaches will outplay, outwork, and outsmart their opponents, guaranteed. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Jason Seymour, former defensive coordinator at the University of Montana. Prior to Montana, Seymour was DC at Colorado School of Mines and a graduate assistant at Oklahoma State and the University of Tulsa with Coach Walls. Listen as we talk with Coach Seymour about being a GA, moving up the college ranks, playing great defense, and what he would look for when hiring potential coaches in the future. You can follow Coach Seymour on Twitter at Coach J Seymour. Hope you guys enjoy. It's Jay Boogie for the, the people that know him. So when you guys get to, to know him a little bit, you know, what, what do you think are some of the, the more difficult things? You know, you've been a defensive coordinator now for, for God knows how long. And the thing I've always liked about being able to, to, to talk to you with is, you know, what, what gives you problems 
you know, what are, what are some of the things that you've seen in the past few years? You know, you talk about some of the stuff that, that OU does, you know, running Q counter, you know, off of their RPO things, you know, what's given you the most problems or maybe had you working the most and spend those late hours in the office? Sure. There's a, there's a couple things that, that keep me up at night when I'm game planning. Uh, number, number one is using your personnel groupings. So uh, especially today, uh, you see people do it two different ways. You, you see the 11 personnel teams give you the, what I call the 11 personnel conflict. So they can run 10 personnel plays with 11 personnel on the field. And they can also get into 11 pictures with the yo tight end hip guy, whatever you want to call them yep. and run counter and power and all those kind of things. And then they can get into spread, which makes it, which makes it hard uh, on a defensive coordinator. So the, the 11 conflict offenses are very popular now. Uh, Eastern Washington does a great job with stuff like that. Uh, and, and then along the same lines with the, with your personal grouping, uh, all the 12 stuff with the unbalanced and I, I call them trouble formations. So you have your, you have your nub tight end into the boundary and all your eligible receivers to the field running gap scheme back into the boundary and things like that. So how you use your personnel always puts conflict on a defense and then uh, varying tempos like we were talking about earlier uh, with, with Oklahoma in their, in their tempo stretches and their tempo runs and their, you know, Hey, did I got three over two out there? Okay. The bubble's no good. Let's, let's hurry up and, and, and run stretch into the boundary or whatever, and then slow it down with the same group and on the field and run power football at you. So just the, just the, you can, you can see, uh, offensive coordinators are being being very uh, very creative with how they use their guys and how they run their offense. I think people are are starting to get a really good beat on how to attack defenses nowadays within those two worlds. You know, so so it's it's the it's the personnel conflict, how people use their groupings, and then the multiple tempos is really what you have to wrap your head around as a defensive coordinator if you're going to have a chance to stop anybody. That was uh, one of the things I noticed uh, big time, you know, when you kind of get into the college game and you, and you talk to a lot of these guys, how personnel driven it is. So when you, when you start studying from a defensive aspect, because, you know, obviously I've been an offensive guy for so long, you really, really need to, to focus in on what are your tendencies when you're in your personnel. So for instance, I'm in 22 personnel. There's, nearly a hundred percent chance that I was running the ball. Well, I would know those things because I do myself scout. So I remember making that game plan for jinx. I remember the first, I believe four or five times we got into 22, I was throwing the ball because sure. I know that defensive coordinators hadn't prepared for that. And I had, you know, certain guys that I could get matchups with. I wanted to, what I wanted, you know, running backs, whatever it might be, but you know, really being able to hone in on what am I doing with those people? You know, it makes, pretty pretty easy sense to you oh he's in 10 personnel they throw 99 percent of the time oh he's in heavy personnel they run all the time so understanding sure. those those things is, is is huge you know and if you get like you said you talk about the the 11 and the 12 those personnels can cause matchup problems because yes they can do both they have that multiplicity sure as a as a as a defensive play caller and a game planner uh, you're you're always looking at trying to give your kids an advantage in, in terms of your defensive structure based on 
what the offense is doing. So like you were talking about, if somebody's in, 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 a, in 22, uh, you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't necessarily need to be in cover four or quarters or something like that uh, because there's not four vertical threats on the field. Yeah. And, and, and when somebody's in 22, you're, you're, putting, you're putting stress on DBs in terms of support calls and all the different things that you got to do. Uh, unbalanced adjustments, trouble adjustments, all those things within your quarter's defense. And now people are running gap scheme at your corner because you're a quarter's-based team. You know what yeah. I mean? So you're trying yeah. to help guys out. You're trying to help your guys out defensively and, and try to play some loaded fronts and, and some old-school under and over so you get so you get your guys, bigger guys, forcing the football to give yourself a chance to stop those plays. And then the next thing you know, somebody's in a 12-personnel grouping and an open picture. And you're not sound to four verticals, or you're not sound to the number two tight end that's 250 pounds blocking bubble screen on a DB. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's a it's it's a nightmare, man. It keeps you up at nights. And obviously, at the end of the day, in college football, you get a little little better advantage if you're at a good place because you can try to out recruit that. You can go get a you can go get a hybrid nickel guy that's 230 pounds that can hold up against a tight end, but not everybody has that luxury. You know what I mean? No. So. No, no doubt. Yeah, and, that's, uh, and that's what, you know, it seems like more and more the tight ends, like you said, are becoming um, a commodity because if you can get one or like I was watching Georgia, they'd had, they had two freakazoid tight ends that um, they'd go 12 personnel. They'd go, uh, two by two, and they'd look at the front, and they would decide which which uh, their tight ends to motion into twenty, and then they'd do like a zone lock or a zone seal. It was it was really impressive to be able to watch them do that. And then, like you said, if if uh, I think I was watching Florida, Florida was in their four three look, they'd just stay two by two and and throw it out there. And if if Florida wanted to get into their um, you know smaller defensive packages, they'd motion one of those tight ends in, depending on the front, and then. Uh, run zone seal or, or zone lock it was it, it's nice to have some of those big big freaks out there sure all the all the best offenses uh because we know it's all about the trenches right coach Walls? absolutely um, if if uh in my mind uh the most impressive thing to me about where football is going right now is five to eight years ago all of the 11 11 slash 20 teams were running divide zone divide zone skip and stretch that's all they were doing mm-hmm. so so as a, as a as a defensive coach uh your defensive your defensive linemen right so we're training defensive linemen uh to 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 react to blocks right so you have a visual key you have a pressure key well if all you're seeing is zone scheme it allows for your guys to play pretty fast even if somebody's going up tempo right all you're going to get to drive or you're going to get a bump scoop or you're going to get a slip. Well, well, well. Now defensive linemen have to defend have to defend an entire block tree. They got to take a double because they're getting true gap scheme power. They mm-hmm. got to defend. You know what I mean? Getting overreached adverse stretch, and it slows you down. It, it, if you're if you're if you're training your guys to play the block tree, and you're training them to do certain things to their visual key, uh, if a and when I talk about it with my D-line coaches, whenever I'm hiring guys or interviewing guys, getting to that second progression of your pressure key, right? So if you're, if you're taking a bump, bump scoop or a true double 
or something like that. The pressure key is involved. It's one man playing two blocks and offensive linemen are trying to work up because they're running gap scheme as opposed to this just zone where you're working on your pressure key and that's it. Well, that puts a lot of pressure on guys defensively as far as keeping your gap and all those kind of things. And then you incorporate tempo into that and, uh, it gets hard on guys, especially when they get tired. So in my opinion, all the best offenses, uh, uh, they can they can do it all. They can run gap scheme. They can run zone. They can do all those things, which makes it very hard on defensive linemen. And you give yourself an advantage in the trenches, and you're a pretty good offense. Well, Walls, I, I, that's something we've talked about, too, yeah. with, with pin and pull. Um, you know, and that, that's one of the reasons I think pin and pull is such a great – um, scheme and especially for an up-tempo team is now you've got guards pulling but they're pulling front side and so now it's completely different for a three technique you know now he's seeing guard pull away guard pull two and, and some of these different slips and scoops so that, that's one of the reasons I, I've also liked in a pull walls is because um, as we've talked about before it just it's just another thing that, that a defensive lineman has to to look at and it makes it even more difficult when a team is going to hurry up and, and can do that well. I, th- I think I, I love that play, too. I mean, you, you talk about teams in the fourth quarter, you know, running to win. Obviously, you wear people down. But I, I think pin, pin pulls another one of those plays because, again, the D-line's tired. They got to run. They got to chase. They got to cross face. I mean, it, it asks those guys, and, and they're, they're already taxed. So I think it's a great play late in games to be able to, to crease things. You're adding another gap. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've always felt, you know, pin pulling gap stuff, I think, it has to be a part of your offense. If you're strictly a zone team, Coach Seymour said it, it, it's easy to defend. If you're not doing, you know, a couple of, of wrinkles off of it, whether you're folding and splitting the front or whatever, you got to have more than than just zone. Sure. And what you what, what you what you see is you see two things, uh, Coach Walls. What I see a lot on film, um, it, it puts people are being stressed in their base defense so much. Their answer is, well, let's just play bear. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. their, an- or, their, or their answer is, okay, well, let's, uh, let's blitz and move the front. Well, there's, there's two different problems. If you just play bear, then you just have a static front, and now your O-line can just tee off on you because you're playing static bear, and they know that's where you're going to be. So mm-hmm. now your O-line calls are easy. Or you start to create chaos and mess up the O-line's blocking scheme. Well, now your fits are muddy on defense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, 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 so just by running a pin pull or, so, or something like that, the pressure that it creates uh, on a defense, you got to be tremendously gap sound, man. That's a lot of run fits that you got to go through. Uh, your, your, your base defense better be really sound. And it just comes down to being better at what you do than the other team is trying to do at what they do. You know what I'm saying? So it's the chess match of football, man. It's why we do it. It's why we love the game. And you guys are hoping, you know, you're, you're winning the the down and distance, you know, any coordinator in America, you blow up a couple of plays early. He's not going to go back to him or you get him behind the sticks. You get him a little bit more predictable. I mean, again, it kind of comes down to, to that situational football. Um, Coach, I know you're you're huge in in both packages. You know that it, I don't think anymore. Just like I think, if you're a good offensive coordinator, it's hard for people to say, "Oh, he's air raider." Oh, he's this. Usually, your best guys are pretty multiple. You know, the, the NDSU's that you had to face a few times. Obviously, they can smash it or they can spread you out. Q run game, throw play action, all those fun things. Um, you as a defensive coordinator, 
I know you've also evolved. You're running even stuff. You're also running odd stuff. Can you talk a little bit about being able to, to kind of be schizo with your defense and do both? Sure. Uh, I think it, I think it comes down, uh, when you're packaging your stuff, uh, in my opinion, in college football nowadays, you have to, you have to be picture oriented. So, so yeah, the, the, the personal groupings help, but at the end of the day, if you're going to be sound based defense wise, you have to have a philosophy of how you want to look defensively based on what picture that you're seeing. So, so in my opinion, if you attach tight ends and you have three man surfaces, I want to be in a loaded front because that's the only way I'm comfortable with stop and gap scheme. So, so you build that into your defense. Uh, when, when you see open pictures and there's no attached tight ends and, and, and things like that, uh, what are they trying to do out of that? Every, everybody isn't the same all the time. Mm-hmm. So, so when, when, you're, when you're building in, okay, what's my base defense? You better be very flexible with that because you're always – and you see, it, you see it every year. You know, you go back and you look at your schedule. Hey, we gave up seven. We gave up 14. We gave up 68. Well, your, defense, the, your base defense wasn't worth a crap to what that team was doing. and You weren't flexible enough as a coordinator – to to come up with to come up with something to put your guys in a situation or fix it during a game, right? That's when we earn our money. Anybody can get up on the dry erase board and squeaky squeak 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 something cool, <laughs> right? But yeah. but you earn your you earn your money in the game when you're actually calling plays and making adjustments. And if you didn't leave yourself room to do that within the within the structure of your defense you're going to be in trouble because of the way people use their personnel groupings and and all those kind of things so multiplicity is key in my opinion more so in scheme than it is personnel um for us uh sub packaging and, and things like that we're very successful three of the last five years uh the the last especially this last year people did not let us do that so they they knew that we were top three in the nation in third down defense uh, the last couple of years so third down and eight we would see power dude you know what I mean people yeah. pe- people are people people are 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 very good at adjusting and hey you're running four speed rushers onto the field let's run power at it screw it because why would we try to protect it? It's going to be a sack or it's going to be this, it's going to be that. Right. So uh, it's made me grow as a, as a defensive play caller in expanding my base defense. Right. You make it easy on me when I can get you into situational football. So the way I look at it, the way I look at it, Brady is, is my base defense. My base defense is designed to do one thing, be sound and get a tackle for a loss. That's my base defense's job. If the base defense can do their job, then I can sub package because I have favorable down and distance. And then I can pass rush you and I can drop eight or I can pressure you and play man, which makes it very hard on you as an offensive play caller to be successful. But as this thing evolves, what you start to see is, okay, the the defense, instead of the defense being reactive to what the offense is doing, offenses are starting to be reactive to what defenses are doing. So, hey, this guy puts his cheetah or his, his pass rush package out on the field. People aren't people aren't reluctant to run gap scheme at it. Right. Yeah, and, yep. and for a lo- and for a long time, I had this conversation with my boss, Bob Stitt and all the scrimmages we go against each other and all the game tape and, and, and all, all those kind of 
things. And the first team that did it to us was Washington this year. Hey, we run our speed package out there on third and 14, and they run GC sweep into the boundary for a 30-yard game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so, so it's, just, it's just interesting. You know, you, you sit there for years and years having a lot of success doing something, and you just think to yourself, when are these guys going to figure it out? Our guys are not playing the block tree. They're getting off on the ball as fast as they can. And, and, and finally you start to see some guys having some success on offense just given what the defense has taken. So. I, I noticed that too. I mean, some of the first teams, and I remember I was, I was doing an interview with a guy, and he asked me, okay, it's third and eight. You know, what's your play call? I'm sure he's thinking, oh, you're going to run four guys past the sticks, and they're all going to stop there, and the defense is going to let me throw it for a first down, you know? And I told him, I said, it's third and eight. I said, I'm probably running pin pull. And the guy kind of looked at me like I had four heads. He's like, what? You're going to run pin pull? I'm like, yeah. And it's all for the reasons you'd said. You know, you watch a team like Wisconsin, Paul Christ, and they're doing the exact same thing. He's coming up there, and they're just play checking. And he sees, okay, what's the personnel? What are they in? You know, oh, oh hey, they're in double threes. Boom, here comes twists. Here comes freaking get up the field, green calls. I'm running pin pull. I'm going to smash these dudes down. I'm going to have extra dudes on the edge. They're going to be playing man. They're running with guys. And they're picking up a first down, it seemed like, every single time when you'd get into, you know, third and six to, to third and ten. And I'm like, that makes sure. perfect sense, man. So, I, it, I think it, – it, be- it was beautiful watching that. Uh, I'm glad you said that because you know Manny, Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz is a four-strong, four-week, four-up-the-middle guy. He's a zone pressure guy. He's going to zone pressure every other play, yeah. right? So, so it, was, it was awesome watching Wisconsin get into 13 personnel – on third down and seven, and it's four strong, four weak, or four up the middle. And, you know what I'm saying? And they're and they're yeah. and they're running, you know, GC sweep or uh, counter direct right at it for a 15 yard gain. That was awesome. Well, then then uh, the ability for some of these teams to to uh, vary their tempo, and then uh, when you get a defense's speed package out there, being able to convert, get a first down, and and then go hurry up and be able to keep those those teams, uh, those speed packages on the field um, is something, you know, I'm kind of looking more into this offseason as far as some of these one-word plays and formations. It's one word, it's it's a play and formation, and, and the ability to do that out of multiple personnel on offense so you can keep a, a defense's speed package out there and not let them sub. Absolutely. Kevin Wilson started that when Josh Heupel was quarterback. You guys probably remember that, right? Yep. Boundary outside zone. Yep, they had Jermaine. They had Jermaine Grisham, really the first hybrid guy in college football that was used as a as a wide out and in a hand in the dirt tight end. And they just had tempo menu, you know, and they would catch somebody in a sub package or whatever, and, and uh, they would roll with it. And it's been it's been uh, been emerging ever since then. That's fun stuff, man. It's cheating though. You guys probably think it's all cheating, right? Jesus, it's something. <laughs> Boogs, you got a pretty interesting backstory. I wanted to to let our listeners kind of know that. Uh, I know you were the the son of a coach, uh, both Coach Coach Harper and I am. So I'm sure you kind of got the the football bug from that. But you know, you played at Adams State, and then from there, I think you have a, a pretty cool story that a lot of coaches would would kind of be interested in hearing. So give us a little bit of background on how you kind of you know left coaching for a little while, left football for a little while, and then you kind of got back into it. Sure, uh, I, I played. I played Division II ball um, 
you know, I, I thought I thought I was a great college football player. You know, I was going to play in the NFL. Same way everybody thinks about themselves when they're an idiot college kid. That's right. And, and uh, very passionate about the game. Uh, your typical high school, you know, your dad's the head high school coach, and, and you were an all-state player and all that kind of stuff. Typical, typical all-American high school kid as far as that kind of stuff goes. And then, uh, and then, you know, your, your dream is over, your college football dream is over and, and you don't really know what to do with yourself. And, and, you know, you move back home and start coaching for your dad and you get into the coaching, the coaching world that way. And, uh, you, you're just looking for a way to stay competitive and, and be around the game and, and, and all those kind of things. And, and, and you really want to get into college coaching and, and you think at the time that's what you want to do, you know, and you don't realize how hard the business is and, and all those things. But um, I coached the year of high school as my dad's defensive coordinator. It was the worst year of my life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember you telling this it was, story. <laughs> it, it was it was just as bad as playing for my dad. So I, I took routine ass chewings. Uh, on the on the sideline as a coach, uh, wasn't sure that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, got into uh, got into law enforcement while I was doing that because I didn't have a, a teaching degree. Uh, obviously, the the law enforcement thing uh, wasn't for me. Thank God that Bob said at Colorado School of Mines, the league that I played in. Uh, gave me a call and offered me a, a DB coaching job. So I started my started my college coaching career at Colorado School of Mines, coached DBs there for a year. And then I went back to uh, to Adam State and, and, and coached there for three years at, at my alma mater. While I was there, I uh, I uh, I met my ex wife, and uh, we had our first kid, and. and uh, you know, that whole time you're trying, you're, you're thinking about, you know, hey, getting into Division One, but you come to find out it's all about who you know and being from Adam State. It's not like I uh, had all kinds of connections all over the country, so I thought I'd always be a Division Two guy, which was yeah. fine. I, I really enjoyed, you know, coaching college football. And, uh, and, and, and then just in a, in a crazy roundabout way, I, I worked with uh, uh, Clint Roundtree at Tulsa. So he was the defensive GA at Tulsa. And he decided to take a off the field role, which opened up a, a GA job at Tulsa. So I kind of, I kind of uh, attacked it from already being a, a division two established coach. I was a co-coordinator at Adam state, uh, kind of similar to you. You, you make, you yep. make that jump with hopes and dreams, you know, you yeah. make that jump with hopes and dreams of uh, being a big time ball coach and all those kind of things. You think those things are important when you're a young guy. Uh, the polo on your chest and all that kind of stuff, uh, especially a, 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 a kid that didn't play big-time high school football, didn't play big-time college football, but you always have dreams and aspirations of competing at that highest level. So uh, we decided to make that jump, uh, um, my wife at the time and I. So so, so we did that and, and went to Tulsa where, you know, me and you first hooked up yeah. 10 years ago. And uh, – you start down that uh, you start down that GA path, that GA grind, and it's uh, you know you're excited about it at first, but but when you do it backwards, kind of like I did when you were already a on the field coach and 
all those things. And then you got to go make coffee and, and do some pride swallowing things that have nothing to do with football. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's one of those, it's one of those, it's one of those things. Uh, it's one of those things where you gotta, you gotta look yourself in the mirror and just because I GA'd for a long time and now as, as a, as a coordinator that's hiring GAs, uh, GA and you got to understand that your, your currency that you're getting paid with is knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. learning football, uh, taking, taking everything in, um, really sitting down and, and deciding who you want to be as a coach and more so learn what not to do than, than, than what to do. In my opinion, uh, that was, there was advantages and disadvantages for me. It was, it was, it was difficult not being a full-time coach for me because I knew what being a full-time coach was. So it was hard to, to do all the things that, that had nothing to do with coaching. But at the same time, I was old enough and mature enough to, to not take that opportunity for granted, to actually learn ball, to actually study the film. Right. Um, I tell my GAs all the time, Hey, you have a job as a GA to break this film down, to do this self scout, uh, but if you're going home after you do your work as a GA, you're doing yourself a disservice because you have to stay there, unfortunately, till one thirty or two in the morning. So you can actually get your currency out of it. You can actually learn the ball. You can actually do all those things. That's why I enjoyed my time at Tulsa's. We had such a great group. We would get on the, get on the dry erase board and have some board wars and talk football and all those things, you know, after the copy was long drank and everybody went home. So so I was fortunate enough to be around a great group with with you and with you and Press and yeah. all those guys. So so uh, the, that that GA opportunity took me to Oklahoma State, um, which I was very fortunate. We won a lot of games and 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 got to see how it was done and and got to be a part of Cotton Bowls and, and all those kind of things. And that whenever you have success, it kind of launches your career. And while you're in it, you're networking and all those things, but and there's also, you know, a price to pay, you know, uh, I, I signed up for that for the long run. It was my passion and all those things, but uh, ultimately ended in the ultimate ball coach's curse. I have two little girls and an ex-wife. So, <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's, it, it's hard on the family, man. It, it, it is. Um, um, it's, it's, it's something that uh, advice that I always tell tell my guys too it is it's not just a job it's a lifestyle and if you're going to get married she has to be a part of it she has to be bought into it she can't just approach it as you're going to work because that doesn't work you know what I mean there's no doubt man it's not a job coaching football is not a job coaching football is a is a calling and a lifestyle so so it's 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 something that uh for you listeners out there if you guys are thinking about getting married make sure that you have those very real conversations if she wants her lifestyle to look like that uh or or else you know 60 percent of your money is going to go towards alimony and child support for the rest of your life (laughs) (laughs) but uh it was it was an awesome opportunity which which allowed me to you know uh, get a you know you're at oklahoma state and you know, you, 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 you get that job and oh, look at the cool stadium. And I got this big 12 polo on my chest, but two weeks into it, it's, it's all football. It's, it's football. Just like I was the defensive coordinator at round Valley high school. Football is football at the end of the day. And the older you get, the more that you understand that. And it becomes less about where you're at and more about who the people that you're with and the kids that you're coaching and the older and wiser that you get, the more that you understand that. 
and, and the, the, game, the game starts to become important to you in different ways. Um, you start to grow in wisdom. Uh, relationships start to become more important. And, and, and for me, I was, I was able to be around some awesome mentors like Coach Blank and, and, and guys like that. Um, so, so it's, it's, it's very difficult, but it's also the most rewarding thing that you can ever be a part of. Cause, uh, what, what is awesome and rewarding? That's not hard as hell. You know what I mean? So, Absolutely. Uh, so, so, yeah, so, so I got to, got to go to mines as a coordinator. We won a lot of games at mines. Uh, we won a championship and, um, winning ball games always leads to you moving up. So I, I got the defensive coordinator job, uh, here at Montana. Um, uh, high expectations here. Seven and three gets you fired around this place. But <laughs> the, these are those are the jobs that everybody wants. You know what I mean? Those those yeah. are the jobs that pay you money, and those are the jobs that the stadium's full, and it's really important. And and that's all you could ask for as a coach. Uh, uh, so now uh, we're looking for the next adventure, whether it be whether it be FBS or high school or whatever it is, uh, your priorities change as, as you, as a, as a, as you get older in this business and you're just looking to be around really good people, man. So. I know always working with you. I mean, I always thought you always were a really good dude. And then one of the things Harper that you'll, you ever, if you ever want to play call of duty with somebody that can absolutely waste dudes, Boogie was probably one of the best I've ever seen on the, the Call of Duty game as well. So I think the, the law enforcement training that you had, Boog, you've, you've probably killed a, a, ton of, a ton of kids online worldwide going on some of those runs, man. It just goes back. It just goes back to everything happens for a reason. You know, you get, on, you get online and people don't know how to slice the pie and, and clear a room and, 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 and things like that. And, and, it, and ultimately it pays off for you. You know, so I'm actually I'm actually thinking about bagging this football thing and just being a professional Call of Duty player. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm, tell, I'm telling you, Harp. It was. I mean, it was just like surgical. He'd just be talking smack the whole time. It was it great. Is, it's unreal, isn't it? When you see anyone that's really good at anything, it, it's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. I but but I mean, I'll. All jokes aside, though, seriously, though, Boog, I mean, I, I learned a lot of ball from you, and I know, you know, you, you go into this business and you're thinking, yeah, you got the, the dreams and aspirations, but even if it, if it doesn't end up the way that you want it to, you end up having so many good buddies out of the deal. You know, I mean, you and I get to, to reconnect and connect every now and again and, and, and BS, and it's almost like we're still back at Tulsa. So, I mean, those relationships at the end of the day are always going to be the thing that you remember. And, heck, you know, I mean – you use those relationships to come down to BA and ended up recruiting, you know, two kids that end up flying all the way halfway across the country. You know, they kind of take my word for it. They go up to Montana and they say it's a beautiful place. And I could also tell them, you know, with all my heart, Hey, you're going to go work for a dude that's not going to let you down. And he's a really solid guy. So, I mean, I think those relationships go a long ways, especially in a, in a college game where I don't think a lot of people are that honest or can trust you that much. Exactly. Because at, at the end of the day, you know, you get in this business and you strive to achieve certain things. But as a coach, and I try to tell my players this all the time, in the coaching world and in, in, in the world as a player, this whole thing is about dependency. Uh, I had, unfortunately, I, 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 all the young coaches out there, I wish I could tell you, hey, 
if you work hard and you grind and you're very successful, you'll move all the way to the top. You'll be the next Gus Malzahn. That's not true. You don't have a say in who gives you a job or who wants to hire you or uh, unfortunately, yeah, success and getting lucky and things like that helps, but there are no guarantees. Some of the best ball coaches that I know are high school ball coaches that never got a chance. My dad has forgotten more football than I'll ever know. And he was a three areas on a high school football coach. Right. Mm -hmm. So, 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 so that's just not how the business works. It's not how the game works. Uh, somebody has to decide to give you that opportunity, right? So, so you can't be focused on those things, right? As a, prof as, a, as a football coach, when you get into this profession, or you'll never be happy. The only, the only, the only way you're going to find happiness is like the things that, like you said, Brady, the things that I really enjoy the most is going to Broken Arrow and seeing you and visiting yep. you. And, and then you take awesome kids like, like Sammy and Carter that we got out of Broken Arrow and they come up here and they're awesome football players for you and great kids. And you got to change those kids' lives through the recruiting process. Now they have an awesome opportunity to play college football at a great place because of those relationships. And then you have great relationships with them. And, and that's what it's all about, man. It, car it carries over and it, it turns into to lifelong deals for everybody. And you use the game as a catalyst to, to experience shared joy, right? On and off the field. You win football games as a coach. You win football games as a player. Why is that so awesome? Because it's shared joy. And, and, and that's why that's why you want to be in the business. And that's why kids want to play this game, right? Those, that's the real currency that you get when you're talking about the game of football. Not, all, not the money, not, not the, the prestige of being at this school or that school. Right. Those are the things at the end of the day, uh, when you reflect on and you ask yourself why you do this for a living, uh, because right now I'm sitting here, man, I got a lot of child support. I got a lot of bills. I got a lot and I got no job. Why am I doing this? Why don't I just go do rental cars or get into the business world? I, I know I would be successful in the business world because I got a skill set, but I don't want to do that. I can't yeah. experience shared joy and all those things that the game gives you. Uh, outside of football so so you stay you stay in the business for the right reasons and, and, and at the end of the day that's how you're going to get paid and the and the flip side of the coin of there being uh some really good high school coaches is uh and I'm sure you know as a good guy you don't want to say this but I know I will as me playing through it I, I've had some really bad college coaches that uh continue to move up the ladder and, and keep jobs and to me was amazing coming out of high school to realize that there's some actually some really bad coaches in college as well oh absolutely man absolutely my there there is no rhyme or reason you know what i mean everybody everybody's wanting to improve their craft listening to your guys awesome awesome show and things like that trying to pick up on things to improve their craft i hope you're doing it for the right reasons i hope you're not doing it so you can you can win a state championship and, and get the defensive analyst job at TCU and then be the defensive coordinator at TCU. I mean, you, you have no control over those things, man. Do it for the right reason because you want, because you want to prepare your kids. Do it because you want to perfect your craft because you love it. Right. Now, those are, those are the only, the only real ways that you're going to experience, experience share joy and get everything that football has to offer because it's never going to be satisfying to you. If you haven't been fired yet, guys, you're going to get fired, right? <laughs> yep. If you yeah. haven't lost a bunch of yet, you're going to lose a bunch of games, right? <laughs> so if you're looking to get paid in the currency of the things of this world, like everybody, like everybody else, 
out there is grinding and looking to achieve, right? And if you let if you let your success be defined by the things of this world, you're going to get your heart broken, man. Football is better than that. Football is higher than that. So, 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 so make sure that you're viewing the game the right way and you're living this lifestyle the right way for the right reason. Boog, I know you've probably, you know, heard about all the, the horror stories and the, the stories out there about, you know, the, the attacks on football, trying to, you know, get rid of, of tackling at some of the younger ages and, and, you know, disbanding some of these youth football organizations and, you know, God knows what they want to do next. I just think there's a lot of people out there with an agenda against football. You know, why do you think that is? And then, you know, I think you've touched on it quite a bit, but I mean, talk a little bit more about, you know, what, what did football, what has football done for you and what what have you seen football do for people? Well, as, as I think when you're a young, when you're a young person in this world, and then you, you know, you grow up to be an adult or, and you start moving through this life. Uh, I think everybody's out there, uh, trying to find a purpose. You know, if you give a man a purpose and some hope, then, then he's always going to be happy because he, he, he wakes up every day and, 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 and he can move towards that purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and and he and he can he can leave a legacy doing something right. Well, well, football is that for millions of people, including myself, right? So mm-hmm. so when when you start to when you start to attack the game, when you, when you start to because because I, I I'm I'm torn on the thing because I really I really feel like that football is not for everybody. I, yeah. I, I everybody everybody has to has to make a decision on what they feel like they want a part of their life to be right well in, in today's in today's society where you see the the structure of family and, and you see uh you see how young men are, are raised in this country there's no better catalyst for developing men than the game of football there's just there, not there's none there 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 isn't anything out there in this country where dependency is such a big part of a young man's life than it is in football, right? There's no other game. There's no other game out there where, so, so every other sport that you play, every other activity that you do, you can work hard at as a, as an individual, you can, you can be a self motivated, intrinsically motivated person and find success. And you can do that in a lot of walks of life, right? But unfortunately, mm-hmm. in this world, if you're going to be a husband, if you're going to be a dad, if you're going to be in charge of an organization, right, you have to understand the importance of dependency. And in no other game uh, do you do you train young men to operate that in that way than football. You will never reach your potential as a football player, and you will never be a part of a championship team unless you understand the importance of the guy that's next to you, right? So, so that, that, that goes into developing leadership, right? That goes in, that goes into being a member of the team, right? It goes, it goes so much further beyond than you developing yourself to try to be the best that you can be, right? We're taking it a step further in, in, in training, in training young men uh, that other people are important, right? Yeah. Working hard yourself, right? I, I always tell my football players. I always tell my football players this: if if somebody breaks into your house in the middle of the night, right, 
who who is going to fight harder the guy who has dependency from his wife and children and all those things that keep them safe or the guy that's just at home by himself right so so why wouldn't you go through your life putting yourself in situations where other people depend on, depend on you because you're always going to operate harder you're always going to operate further you're always going to reach your full potential when you put yourself in situations where you have dependency but if you remove that from young men's life and you and they're never they never operate in that way and they're never educated on how to do those things uh, uh, from a football coach and things like that, they're not going to be successful in those situations. And I think that's an important thing when you're talking about being a father and a husband and a dad and and a boss and, and all those things. The lessons that you learn from this game are invaluable. It goes wow. it goes a lot it goes a lot farther than CTE, right? I can yeah. I can get I can get CTE slipping on the ice outside my house, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's I right. Mean, it's, it's just, it's 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 just ridiculous. I I remember I, I think I was reading an article and I know it's from a couple years back, but they said literally like in a month there there was more articles written on CTE than there were confirmed cases of CTE. So I mean I I don't want to diminish the, those guys' issues or problems whatever they are because they're they're real they're legit. There's a, a lot of things going on there that obviously I I couldn't understand because I've never had to go through it. But at the same time, for, for them to just basically make a game extinct or, or try to make it extinct because of these cases, and then they're, they're basically just deleting all of those wonderful things that you just said. And they're deleting all of these wonderful experiences that people have had through this game and the opportunities to meet people, the opportunities to grow up, the opportunities to get out of the hood, whatever it might be. They're just, they just throw all that stuff to the wayside, and you kind of ask people about that who are on that side of it. It's like, well, what about this? And they, they can't ever say anything about it. It just, it just baffles me how, how you can just selectively pick one thing about it, the whole issue, and say, yeah, we should get rid of it. Sure. I mean, I, I think we would all agree that awareness is always a good thing. Making the game safer is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's grow the game forward. Don't diminish the game. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. there, there's too many, there's too many things that football brings to this culture and that brings to the young men of this country to 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 throw it by the wayside because of an issue that that people are talking about that most people aren't educated about, right? Mm-hmm. And and, and for for you to turn awareness into an attack, you know, I, I, I just don't agree with that. No. No, and, and, and like you said, Walls, it's changed so many guys' lives. I, I know I've said it before, but, you know, my dad, his his dad died at 15. He had a couple siblings go the wrong way. He had a couple siblings go the right way. Uh, his dad dies at 15. His mom moves back to Ireland for, for a year or a few months, and he's at the house by himself. You know, can go one way or the other. No one in his family's ever been to college, and um, he gets hooked up with football, gets some great football coaches that, you know, are giving him basically fatherly advice. His dad's gone, and, and he gets a scholarship, gets to go play um, college football, but also gets a degree, something that no one in his family had ever done. And now he's a football coach, and now he's doing that same thing for, for kids coming up through his program. And, um, it, you know, that, I think that's why so many coaches are so passionate about um, – pushing back against that attack is because they've seen countless um, number of, of um, cases where football is, has saved kids. But then also, like Coach said, um, you know, 
took boys and, and turned them into men, which is what we need in this society is eventually for kids to grow up and be men and be able to be, uh, have dependence underneath them. I couldn't agree more, man. It's, it's, it's just super sad that, that it's had to, to come to this level. But I think, you know, I think they're going to underestimate a lot of the people that are going to actually end up fighting back on this whole thing. No doubt. I, I completely agree. Hey, uh, uh, coach kind of shifting subjects. I, I know you said you were at, uh, the school of mines and which, which I believe is like as a, a big time engineering program. Um, Kind of curious, is there some things that you can do um, a little bit more with, with a bunch of kids that seem like they'd be really intelligent if they're, uh, you know, at an engineering school? Is there some, some more things that you can throw in there and, and do with those kids? Sure. Uh, uh, Scheme-wise, uh, and you have to because you're, you're probably going to be limited athletically at schools like that. Uh, so So you can definitely be more multiple with your scheme and – and, and things like that. And it's not just the cerebral capacity of a bunch of nerds, right? Uh, <laughs> if, if you're at a, if you're at an academic institution like that, uh, uh, most of those kids have a good work ethic. Yeah. Most of those kids come from a good home. Most of those kids know how to be successful. They have good guidance, right? Uh, uh, most of those kids don't have off the field issues. Right. So so there are competitive advantages of being at a place like that. And, and, and that's one of the big thing. I, and that's one of the one of the reasons why why, why Coach Stitt's a great coach, Be, because he he was at that place for a long time and, and won a lot of football games because he he saw the advantages of being a place like that instead of just saying, well, we can't go get a bunch of fast guys and we can't don't have more athletes than everybody. Well, there are things that those kids can do that other places don't have, right? Yeah. So so abso- absolutely coach Harper, you those those uh those kids are very motivated. Um um th- those kids whatever you wanted to coach them to do, they would do it. They were very dependable and, and uh, we had quite a large playbook when when I was there because because those those kids those kids can do it but but they they could do it not because not because they they were you know have a really high math score right football's not a math test right, right. Uh, they they did it because of the lifestyle that they lived in terms of preparation right uh, they have to live a certain lifestyle to to survive uh, uh, mechanical mechanical electrical biological engineering academic environment right so. The lifestyle that they lived as college college athletes is a little different than than, than most of the the lifestyle that co- other college athletes were living. So, so they applied themselves, right? So, so that gives you a competitive advantage in that way at a place like that. I always thought too, you'd see a lot of this a lot of the stuff that Stiddy would do was you know was very cutting edge because he had some of those guys that were you know willing to to try it and learn that. What were some of the the cool things that you saw Stiddy do that, that maybe kind of caught on later or maybe, you know, were kind of in the background. I know you told me a couple of stories about that. Uh, sure. Sure. You know, you've got your, your run pass options where you're, 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 you know, working off the removed backer to, to one side or the other. Um, he, he was, he, he's a quarterback guy, right? So his offense always is going to run through the quarterback. Uh, and it was just, a, it was just a, uh, amazing watching him how how he thought outside of the box in terms of training a quarterback 
right? So, so a lot of guys are training a quarterback, you know, pre-snap if there's two high safeties, right? They're training a quarterback, uh, uh, pre-snap if there's a removed linebacker or not, right? So, so just the way he got his quarterbacks to wrap their mind around the game and just be being very cerebral about uh, how defenses are operating and, and, and just giving that kid the freedom, it's a lot more work off the field, right? Yeah. In terms of, in terms of how you how you identify what's happening uh, within a defense, right? But 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 the RPOs change from practice to practice. It's really challenging as a coach. You know, they're running running RPOs, and he's you know reading your free safety that you're trying to put into the fit to mess up mess up their RPOs and, and their box count and all those kind of things. And the, the quarterback's actually seeing it. Uh, so, so you got he, he thinks outside the box in terms of how he trains his guys and, and how he attacks defenses and, and a lot of people uh, take take the stuff that, that that he's done and they have a lot of success with it so uh, he he's he, like you said when you're at mine when you're at mines your, your answer can't just be let's take a vertical shot you know what I mean you, you, you're gonna have to go on a 17 play drive and actually execute that's hard to do and because you just don't have the guys to, to bail you out with vertical shots and all those kind of things uh, so, so you spend a lot of time on the front end, uh, training your receivers to side adjust, train, training your quarterback on, on what defenses are trying to do and, and all those things. And it was a lot of fun. That's really interesting. That's, that's what I always kind of get a kick out of is, is some schools like that. And then like, uh, you know, Navy and, and army, you know, kids with that probably aren't, you know, at those two schools aren't, aren't as nearly as athletic as some of the other D one schools, because, They've got to fit a certain mold, and then they've got to go into the armed forces for four or five years afterwards. And you see some of those schools still go, you know, eight and two, nine and one some years. And, and um, that's the part that's interesting to me, like you said. And then also, obviously, at uh, School of Mines with such high academic standards is how some of these coaches can adjust to that, see that they've got some benefits to that as well, and, and be able to mold their kids into winning football w- with that type of a kid. Sure, it's a it's a it's an awesome game, um, and a game of like I I always go back to, and in a game of dependency, if you have dependable guys, you're going to win a lot of football games, and that's always going to be true, no matter where you're at. There's a lot of ways to do it. There's uh, there, there's teams like Oklahoma and Clemson that can be very explosive. There's teams like Army and Navy that can gain three yards of play and go for it on fourth down twelve times in a ball game. Uh, but 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 as long as everybody's being dependable, everybody's executing, you all you always have a chance to win a lot of games. Coach, Coach I know you I know you've you know played against North Dakota State a couple times or, or been a coordinator against them. I'm kind of curious, what do you when you go on against a team like that? You know, you don't see a bunch of teams still running that. Um, what what goes into a week like that where you've got a um, you know run fit against against some 22. 31 personnel just kind of asking in a selfish way because uh you know kind of what we run at broken arrow so just trying to pick the mind of, of someone on the opposite side of that sure uh every everybody uh every team uh ha- kind of has their identity and, and when you turn the tape on uh you want to get a feel for that uh what is this team's identity uh as you're game planning you want to take away what people want to do right what what do they do best what's their best plays What's their best groupings? Who's their best player? Uh, what are they going to do when they got to have it? And, and you want to try to put your guys 
uh, into into positions to take away those things, right? So so when you're looking at a team like NDSU, uh, what separates them is not how they use their guys, not their personnel groupings, right? It's their identity as a football team is what separates them. Uh, uh, very physical. Uh, it's not a secret, guys. They're going to run A-gap power. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> they are going to run A-gap power. I don't care how you set the front. I don't care how you load the box. I don't care how you're going to do those things. Their identity is to be tougher for tougher than you for a longer period of time. And they're going to play like that on, on both sides of the football. And, uh, and they have compliments that do that, 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 that help them in terms of uh, for, for us, it, it was difficult for us because we knew that, Hey, they were they were gonna do this. They were gonna they were gonna. This was their identity. Uh, and, and going into that week, you have to challenge your guys to to rise up and to meet the physicality, to meet the toughness, to meet all those things. Uh, but when that's not your culture and that's not your identity in the fourth quarter, that stuff starts to starts to rise to the top, and that's what makes them great. I just remember sitting there, of course, in the playoffs this year. I think they were playing Sam Houston, and they're just getting gashed. And you, you just keep texting me back and forth. <laughs> You're saying the same thing. Coach Walls, they're going to run a gap power. <laughs> He's like, what? You're like, wipe the nose or do something. And I'm like, hey, they've wiped the nose a couple times, but the cutback player's nowhere to be found. And it's like, dude, Sam Houston State's a seven-on-seven seven team, man. You can't, you can't. <laughs> You can't simulate that stuff in practice, but I thought it was hilarious because we're sitting there watching NDSU and you're saying all the same things. Sure. Yeah, sure. Because at, at, the, at the end of the day, and, and you know, there's, there's a saying, uh, our identity, it, it was always fun playing them at Montana because it was a, a stark contrast and identity. For, so for them, it's about point of attack, physical toughness, right? Uh, but, but for us, our identity at Montana was, was, was our, our saying was fatigue makes cowards of us all, right? So they want to mm -hmm. control the ball. They want to control the football game, and they want to be tougher than you at the point of attack. And, and they were. It's not like we stopped the stop they get power when we played them right they still rush for 300 yards right yeah. but but our off but our offense was able to do the same thing with them within our identity right we ran 100 plays and we threw the ball for 500 yards going fast and 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 we were able to wear them out and we got them tired and we executed on fourth down a lot right and we we were able to beat we were able to beat them doing what we do identity wise right so it was always a good game when we played them uh, uh and it, and it was really fun to sit back as a coach and, and just see both those philosophies and those identities come to life and and and, and see whose kids are going to believe in it the longest during a football game that was a fun game to watch i know that Coach Seymour, I know you're going to be a head coach someday, and I know this is kind of a, an O-line driven uh, podcast, but when you're a head coach, what are some things you're going to look for when you, uh, when you hire an offensive line coach or some of the qualities you're looking for? Uh, well, being a defensive coach, right, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little selfish and I'm a little biased in terms of, of what I want uh, out of an offense, right? So one day when I make the decision – 
to be a head coach in my mind uh because you hear about it all the time right coach coach blankenship all, all the wonderful advice he gave young coaches over the years uh you you have to you have to build a team and hire guys and have a team identity based off of who you are so mm-hmm. so in my mind as a defensive coach uh, uh things like toughness uh, uh uh more of the ndsu pro style uh pound you at the point of attack oh, that's the type that's my that's my mentality right as a, as a kid that played linebacker that's my mentality as a defensive coach and, and those are the types of, of things that I will look for one of these days when I'm when I'm putting a staff together in term in terms of uh, your plan to win games how you want to control games right uh, uh, running the ball in my mind is the biggest way to do that in, in my mind Football is is a game of dependency, right? Football is a game of 11 guys executing. And in my mind, in today's spread offensive world, especially in the NFL and things like that, you're putting a lot of dependency on a quarterback if you're a spread team, right? Mm-hmm. So there's yep. 11 guys trying to do their job, but in this spread offense RPO world, right, uh, a lot of the times you're watching film and you don't have to block anybody. It's one receiver side adjusting to get open and one quarterback delivering the ball to him, right? And <laughs> and, and I'm not saying I'm not saying you can't be successful doing that, right? But but in my mind that those aren't the things that make the game great and, and, and that's probably not going to be a big part of my identity when I'm a head football coach. I want 11 guys executing a play and imposing their will on an opponent. So so and and and, and in my mind, right? It's it's not fair to put the hopes and dreams of a hundred people on a quarterback that has a bad game and you lose in the playoffs. Right. Well, mm-hmm. well, that's why the NDSU formula has been so successful over time. Right. Well, the yeah. quarterback's having a bad game. We'll hand the ball off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll play great defense. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. So, so in, in my mind, the things that make the game great, uh, uh, that the, that will be a part of my identity when I'm a head football coach, and we all believe in, in, in different things, but, but uh, that's something that I believe in. That's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank our sponsors, Powerlift, Health IQ, and Team Attack Academy. Go get your free quote at healthiq.com slash runthepower. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt, long sleeve or hoodie at runthepower.com also if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app this will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com follow me on twitter at harper underscore coach and coach walls at coach brady walls Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.